Happy holiday season and welcome back to the Sharp 600 brought to you by Covers.com. My name is Joe Fortenball and you know how we do it around these parts. It's great to have you guys with us for this week's NFL podcast. Here's what we've got in store. Professional handicapper Steve Merrill is going to swing by in just a couple of minutes to handicap Week 17. Specifically, how does he adjust his approach given that this is one of the most unique weekends of the season? And who does he like in that monstrous showdown between the Falcons and the Panthers? I've got three picks I'm taking to the counter that I'm going to reveal after our talk with Steve. But first, for those of you who, like me, are absolute toast in your season-long fantasy football leagues, check out our friends at Draft Easy over at DraftEasy.com. No salary caps, no math, no competition, just your picks and our matchups. With DraftEasy Rapid Fire, you pick who will score more fantasy points in just five two-player matchups. And you don't even have to be perfect. Pick four correct players and win three times your entry fee. It's that easy. It's DraftEasy. Use promo code COVERS, C-O-V-E-R-S, COVERS, for a match on your deposit bonus, courtesy of us here at the Sharp 600. Pay that man his money. Professional handicapper and owner of ProSportsInfo.com. Follow him on Twitter, at Steve Merrill, making his return to the Sharp 600. Steve Merrill joining us here on the podcast. Steve, let me start with this. Happy holidays. How's everything going? Hey, Joe. Going well. As you know, uh, we don't get the holidays off. This is probably the busiest week of the year for the football season, but it's a good busy because of the bowl games, NFL playoffs right around the corner. It's a fun time of year. And don't forget college and pro basketball as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. We've got UFC 219 this weekend. It really never does stop. So we'll just jump right into it here. Week 17 in the NFL. Before we look at some of the matchups, how different is this week to cap for you versus other weeks during the NFL season? There are so many factors at play. How do you approach this week? Well, the number one thing is obviously you have to make sure teams are playing their full lineups. I mean, it's a little bit like handicapping the NFL preseason as you actually have to check to see, you know, what the quarterback rotation, see if guys are going to sit, uh, teams are going to sit starters because they've clinched playoff positioning. Um, But in general this week, there's really only one team that's clinched everything, and that's the Philadelphia Eagles who have the number one locked up. Uh, The AFC, the Patriots, and Steelers, still one of those teams could get it. So that's not too much of a situation this week. The other thing you want to look at is line value. One thing that happens year after year is that the odds makers have to inflate the line on these must-win teams that are still fighting for playoff positioning. But if you look back over the past several decades, blindly playing on teams that are out of the playoff race against a quote-unquote must-win team have actually been a long-term winning play. So keep in mind, uh, you're going to get some added value this week with some of those ugly underdogs. Do people overreact to the situations like the one in Los Angeles with the Rams where Jared Goff, Todd Gurley, Aaron Donald, they're all expected to sit. We see a six, seven-point line move. A, is that an overreaction? And B, how do you like the Niners in this one? Yeah, it's an interesting call because the Rams, as I mentioned, the Eagles technically are the only team that has locked anything up. Actually, let me correct that. If you look in the AFC, um, the, the third and fourth seeds are locked up by the Jags and Chiefs. So actually, Jacksonville and Kansas City have nothing to play for as they're locked into the third, fourth spots. Philly's locked into the number one. But the Rams technically are not locked in. They're locked into a home wild card game. Um, but it's whether they're going to be the third or fourth seed. I guess they don't really care. It probably doesn't really matter, um, and that is why they're sitting starters. And it's a tough call. I mean, it's like I said, a preseason game. And what's interesting about this matchup is that the 49ers have been a very hot team since they made the quarterback change. Squad started the season 0-9 straight up, and they've only lost basically once of the past month. So uh, 
interesting matchup here. Who would have thought the 49ers would be the better team against the Rams in Week 17? Just as a quick side note on the Rams, do you think it'd be advantageous for them to be the four over the three? Because wouldn't you rather draw a road game at Philadelphia with Nick Foles at quarterback rather than at Minnesota against the Vikings? Good point. I mean, and that's probably the difference here, and that's why they probably don't mind. Um, I'm not sure either one of those are easy games. I think the Viking defense is probably something you do want to avoid, and that new home field is as loud as anywhere in the league. And we saw Seattle make the Super Bowl a few years ago with a strong defense and a loud home field. And don't forget, uh, Minnesota will host the Super Bowl this year. It looks like they might have to win a road game in Philadelphia now to get there. Don't forget also they've got a backup quarterback. So both teams have backup quarterbacks. Nick Foles, by the way, very capable, as we all know, Still had the third highest career, uh, third highest season quarterback rating in NFL history a few years ago, uh, but I think that defense is much weaker for Philly. So the Rams probably would rather make that cross country trip, as you said, and be the four seed and have to travel to Philly. How do you factor in hot seat coaches? For example, do you think Cincinnati shows up for Marvin Lewis this weekend? You know, it's interesting. We, we always talk about NFL teams that toss the towel, and I do think there's always a team or two each year you can kind of say quit, but I'm not really sure any team does quit because most of these guys are playing for themselves. Uh, they're playing for contract extensions. They're playing for bonuses. And, that, you know, we talk about it a lot in the college bowl games where teams don't show up when a coach is leaving or, you know, vice versa. They play hard for a guy that maybe is on his way out. Uh, the NFL, I don't know how much loyalty there is with these guys, and um, I think most of these guys play for themselves, and some of that probably is an overrated handicapping factor. All right, so let's jump into some of the games. One of the marquee matchups on the card, Atlanta laying four against Carolina. Both have something to play for. The Falcons trying to make the playoffs. The Panthers could get as high, I believe, as the number two seed if a bunch of things break their way. Any specific lean in this matchup? Yeah, Carolina technically could bounce Minnesota for that, too, but about four different things have to happen, so it's very unlikely. Plus, they're not even likely to win this game as a four-point underdog. Atlanta needs to win this game in order to get in. If they lose, they would have to have Seattle lose as well as a big favorite at home against Arizona. So basically, Atlanta needs to win this game to make the playoffs. As I mentioned earlier, though, we have to be careful with these must-win situations because both these teams are pretty equal this season, and I think the four-point home line is a bit inflated uh, based on the fact that Atlanta has a little bit more to play for here. Uh, one thing that jumps out to me, though, was the earlier rematch that the uh, rematch from earlier this season. These teams played on November 5th. Carolina won a close game 20-17. to They were actually a three-point home dog, and now Atlanta's only a four-point home favorite. So Atlanta would have been about a nine-point home favorite just a month and a half ago. So I guess in that case, you can make the argument that the line's a little bit cheaper. But I think these two teams are pretty equal overall. Tennessee laying three against the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Jags slated into the number three seed. The Titans fighting to get into the postseason as a wild card. What I find interesting here is that so many people think that Jacksonville has nothing to play for. But if I'm Tom Coughlin and I'm Doug Marone, I take a look at what just happened in San Francisco. And I say to myself, we got some things we need to get ironed out before we get into the playoffs. Otherwise, Brady or Roethlisberger is going to light up our defense defense much like Jimmy Garoppolo did this game at one point was Tennessee minus six I kind of like the Jags to win this game because I think they're going to play hard in this one and try to get organized what do you think yeah that's the big question here because they are locked into that first round wild card home game and their divisional uh, ranking is locked in as well their conference ranking rather so technically they have nothing to play for but I do agree a coach like Coughlin especially off the blowout loss of you know what was considered a bad San Francisco team obviously the Niners are playing better but you do have to figure they don't want to go in the playoffs with bad momentum. Uh, meanwhile, Tennessee is a team that had over an 88% chance of making the playoffs at the start of December, and they've now lost three straight games. Yet they win. They're still in in this one. Uh, but terrible current form for the uh, Titans. They also suffered a loss at San Francisco a couple games ago, 
had to play the Rams last week, a tough game, but they also lost to the Cardinals. So not a good 0-3 run that they're on. Jaguars are the better team getting points here. It's just a matter of how hard they play. They're a run-based defensive team. Uh, so you got to figure they're going to probably bring that energy still, even with nothing on the line. Cleveland staring 0-16 in the face. They're going to take on the Pittsburgh Steelers in Pittsburgh. They're 11-point underdogs. It feels like every week the bookmakers talk about how they see sharp action on the Browns late, and every week the Browns let down anybody who is willing to support them financially. Do you see this being a spot where you'd want to be on Cleveland, or is it a pass? The line's a lot cheaper than it would have been, you know, in the regular season they would have probably have been over a two touchdown dog and now it's you know only around ten and a half eleven so you're not even getting a lot of value with Cleveland here. Pittsburgh technically could still get the number one seed, but they'd have to win this game and hope the Patriots loses over a two touchdown favorite against the Jets. I guess they kinda of realize that's not gonna happen and they're gonna probably rest some guys. Um but we need to find out for sure there. And Cleveland's 0-15 for a reason because they're just a terrible team. Their chance to win a game this year was that Green Bay game a few weeks ago. I remember because I went 3-1 and in the NFL that day. My only loss, Cleveland Browns winning outright <laughs> by 14 in the fourth quarter, and they lose in overtime by six as a three-point dog. So buyer beware, as you know, Joe. Uh, before I jump into the college football playoff games, because I want to get your thoughts on that, uh, when you were looking at the card this week, were there any games that we didn't touch on that may have jumped off the page to you? No, I think pretty much those are the big ones. You know, what what did jump off at me is all the time changes, so be aware of those. Uh, the NFL initially had four late afternoon games and 12 early kickoffs. Now they've got nine late afternoon games. So basically what they did was they moved all of these 1 o'clock Easterns to 425 Eastern uh, if they had playoff implications. The only game they didn't do that was the New England game and the Pittsburgh game that we just talked about, uh, which once again shows even the uh, schedule makers don't think those two games are that important. All right, college football semifinal number one. It's Georgia against Oklahoma. We've seen some action on the Bulldogs this week as the reports out that Baker Mayfield, quarterback, Heisman Trophy winner at Oklahoma, may be battling an illness. Any specific lean in this game as we get close to kickoff? Well, obviously we need to find out if Mayfield's healthy because he's the key to every football game that's on the board this season. He's probably the most crucial player to any team on any game because uh, Oklahoma is all offense. But the real disadvantage the Sooners have in this Final Four, regardless who they play this round or next, is defense. I mean, you look at Alabama, Clemson, and Georgia, they're all fantastic defensive teams, giving up less than two touchdowns a game. Oklahoma gives up over 25 points a game. However, they're by far the most explosive offense. So assuming Mayfield is healthy, um, I think Oklahoma can score at will on anybody, including Georgia, and uh, the Bulldogs have not seen an offensive team like that. Oklahoma this season is averaging over 12 yards per pass attempt. Per attempt. That means every time they throw the ball, it's more than a first down, which is just truly incredible numbers. That's insane. Um, college football semifinal number two, Alabama laying three against Clemson. If there's one thing that's given Nick Saban problems as a head coach over the years, it's a mobile quarterback. Deshaun Watson, two years in a row, we remember that. Johnny Manziel, two years in a row. Now, granted, these quarterbacks didn't win both games they played, but they were highly productive and highly competitive. I see the same thing with Clemson this year. I see a Bama team that I think is a bit overrated. Is three too high of a line for the Crimson Tide? Because while everyone's looking at Bama, I'm looking at Clemson in the spot. Essentially, my power ratings actually make this line exactly three. And it opened two earlier in the month, uh, went up higher now, and it is sitting on that key number of three. So while the Oklahoma-Georgia game is hovering around two, two and a half, has yet to hit that key number, this game is currently on the key number. I think the real question now is will that – even more important number for Clemson backers, plus three and a half show by kickoff. I don't think it will. I think it's going to probably stay here on three one way or the other. And this looks like a tight game. Two very good defenses, as I mentioned. Uh, the total is 47. You compare that to 60 in the Oklahoma-Georgia game, you can see the difference of the two types of games. One thing to point out, Joe, is you know, the, the brief amount of years that we've had this format, 
we have not had many good competitive games in the semifinals. Most games have been decided by double digits. Um, it's hard to imagine Alabama could be a team that gets blown out by double digits. Um, you know, if that's going to happen, it's probably more likely Clemson. But they've given Alabama fits the last couple of years. And we can throw Cam Newton in that mix even years ago, another mobile quarterback that did the tide struggle to stop in the heyday of the national title games. Absolutely. Professional handicapper and owner of ProSportsInfo.com. Follow him on Twitter at Steve Merrill. Steve Merrill joining us here on the Sharp 600. Steve, as always, it's a pleasure getting to hear the insights. Thank you so much for your time. Happy New Year and best of luck over the next couple weeks. Thanks, Joe. Talk to you next year. It says here we should work in teams. Who wants to be my spotter? All right. It's the moment of truth. Let's get down to business. Game number one, 425 p.m. Eastern. It's the San Francisco 49ers laying three at Los Angeles to take on the Rams. In the 11 games prior to the arrival of quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo, the Niners were averaging just 321 total yards and a pathetic 17 points per game. But in the four matchups since Jimmy G assumed the role of starting signal caller, the franchise has undergone a dramatic 180 with the offense now averaging an insane 396 total yards and 27 and a half points per outing. Oh, and let's not forget that the Niners are 4-0 both straight up and against the spread with Garoppolo calling the plays. The Rams announced earlier this week that quarterback Jared Goff, running back and MVP candidate Todd Gurley, and defensive tackle Aaron Donald would not play this Sunday. So L.A. is clearly in survival mode, while the Niners are as motivated as any franchise in the business to close out Week 17 in style. Lay the field goal with San Francisco. Game number two, also at 425 p.m. Eastern. It's New Orleans at Tampa Bay, over-under in this game of 50-and-a-half. Dirt Cutters Buccaneers have scored 21 or fewer points in eight of their last nine outings. They're riding a five-game losing streak and have seen the undercash in five straight home dates, as well as five of their last six divisional showdowns. As for New Orleans, Drew Brees and the Saints clinched the AFC South title, as well as a home wild card game with a win on Sunday. So here's how I see this thing playing out. Tampa Bay lays down relatively quickly big surprise, and Sean Payton and Drew Brees lean on the NFL's fifth-ranked rushing attack to move the sticks, grind the clock, and escape with a win. Take note that the under is 4-1 and one in New Orleans' last five road games, so yeah, we're going to play under the total of 50.5 total points here. Game number three, 425 p.m. Eastern. It's Buffalo laying 2.5 at Miami. Jay Cutler got his pressure-free $10 million and is now just four quarters away from heading back into retirement. So this game is about playing injury-free football for 60 minutes and then riding off into the South Beach sunset. A playoff contender in the eyes of many before the season started, Miami has dropped seven of its last nine outings, has committed three or more turnovers in four of their last six games, and they've covered the number in just two of their last 10 matchups overall. Translation, this team is ready for the offseason. As for the Bills, Buffalo is still very much alive in the hunt for an AFC wildcard spot and has an unfairly maligned quarterback in Tyrod Taylor who wants nothing more than to prove to the rest of the National Football League that he really does belong. One team cares, one team doesn't. Give me the Bills minus two and a half. That's a wrap for us, boys and girls. Thank you so much for your time and for checking us out on this episode of the Sharp 600. If you haven't done so already, subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. We're back later in the week with a UFC 219 preview. But for now, be well and best of luck.